This is the Heartland Daily Podcast. The other day, Heartland Editorial Director Chris Talgo appeared on The Richard Syrett Show to discuss Heartland's blockbuster poll revealing that at least one in four mail-in voters illegally cast mail-in ballots in the 2020 election. They also discuss how this might have impacted the outcome of the 2020 election, as well as what states can do to prevent widespread illegal mail-in voting in 2024 and beyond. Have a listen. A new uh, study by the Heartland Institute has concluded, well, I'm not going to give it away, but uh, it pertains to the uh, mail-in voter fraud that took place in 2020. And um, it reveals who the actual winner was based on this study. Christopher Talgo is the editorial director and also a socialism research fellow for the Heartland Institute. Christopher, welcome to the Richard Serrett Show. How are you? Hey, I'm great. Great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit of the methodology of the uh, of this study on the uh, 2020 election? Yeah, so what we did was in late 2023, we uh, used Rasmussen reports and we conducted a poll. We uh, polled 1,085 voters who voted in 2020 election. And then we uh, we separated them into two buckets, those who voted by mail and then those who voted by in person. Those who voted by mail, we then asked them a series of questions about their uh, mail-in voting behaviors in 2020. And uh, one of the things we asked them was, did you vote in a a state where you're no longer a permanent resident? Did you fill out a ballot for somebody? Did you uh, sign a ballot for somebody? And were you paid uh, or bribed or given a reward for voting. So what our poll found was uh, at, at bare minimum, 21 percent of those who voted by mail in 2020 election uh, cast a ballot fraudulently. We also found 8 percent of those voters also received some sort of reward or bribe or compensation uh, for their vote. So what we did was we, you know, started to think to ourselves, wow, this, you know, was pretty shocking stuff. And we uh, asked Rasmussen for the uh, raw survey data. When we got the raw survey data back from Rasmussen, what we actually found was the uh, the total percentage fraud for mail-in voting in 2020 was 28.2 percent. Because because some of those people had uh, engaged in uh, multiple types of uh, illegal voting in 2020. So th- it wasn't mutually exclusive. They could have voted in a place where they're no longer a permanent resident and they could have filled out a bail for someone else. But all said and told, close to 30 percent, three in 10 mail-in voters admitted to us that they committed at least one type of voter fraud in 2020. Was this a surprise to you or based on what we know about mail-in voting uh, in the past, is this in line with what you expected or is it were you shocked? We we were actually pretty shocked with the results. We expected the uh, fraud rate to be meh, 10, 15 percent, something like that. Uh, just a couple other things, though, that we we waited on purpose three years until after the election because we thought that people would be more prone to be more honest this far out from the election rather than if we'd done it a couple of months after. So the fact that we did it, you know, three years after the fact, uh, we we really think that people are going to be much more honest uh, and forthright in their answers. That's an excellent point. I hadn't thought of that. Um, why would anyone admit, though, to committing mail in voting fraud? Well, that's a great that's a great question. Uh, I, I do need to say that we didn't tell them 
that uh, by answering yes to those questions that they had committed mail and uh, voter fraud. So for all we know, maybe they just didn't know whether or not that was fraudulent or not. That does not make it okay at all, of course. But I uh, think that that made people uh, more willing to be honest about it. All right. So again, let me just recap. 21% of mail-in voters admitted in 2020 they voted in a state where they are no longer a permanent resident. That's fraud. 21% of mail-in voters admitted they filled out a ballot for a friend or a family member. That's also fraud. 17% of mail-in voters said they signed a ballot for a friend or family member with or without his or her permission. 19% of mail-in voters said that a friend or family member filled out their ballot in part or in full on their behalf. All of these things are are fraudulent. Um, so in total, 28.2% of all mail-in respondents admitted to committing at least one of the four types of fraud asked in the survey, meaning that more than one in four ballots cast let me repeat this. This is stunning. One in four, sorry, more than one in four ballots cast by mail in 2020 were likely cast fraudulently and thus should not have been counted. Um, do, do, do we know how many mail-in uh, ballots in total were cast in 2020? So in 2020, we had 65 million mail-in ballots, which was the all-time record, you know, crushed the previous record set in 2016, which was about 30 million uh, so this this was unprecedented. Uh, you know, it also, I think, needs to be said that this was done under the guise of the you know pandemic. And in the months leading up to the election, we had a whole bunch of governors. We had a whole bunch of secretaries of states and uh, other state officials just wholesale change their their voting procedures, which is unconstitutional because the Constitution explicitly states that the only person, the only entity, the only body that can change voting procedures is the state legislature. So not only was this, you know, uh, a gross violation of the Constitution perpetuated by a whole bunch of, uh, you know, state officials, um, but it also, I think, is what they're trying to do is they're trying to make this the new normal. And, you know, I've been following this very closely for the past couple of years. And now that we are on the cusp of uh, 2024 election, we are just you know being led to believe that mail-in voting is the most safe, secure thing ever. And we've always voted by mail en masse and all this, you know, all this stuff that they're trying to peddle to us, which is Completely not true. Just real quick, in 1992, for example, not that long ago, 1992, 91% of Americans voted in person on Election Day. That's the way it should be, okay? In 2020, 70% of people voted early or by mail. Only 30%, 3 in 10 people voted on Election Day. Now, why does that matter? Well, last time I checked, right before Election Day, a couple of days before that, uh, we had some uh, big breaking news about the Hunter Biden laptop story. We also know that polls show that a a bunch of uh, Democrat voters would have changed their vote based on that report alone. So this whole notion that we should be voting a month or six weeks before the election takes place is just flat out ridiculous because so much can change in those crucial weeks before the election takes place. You know, it's also interesting um Chris, that um, Mike Benz, who was on Tucker, um, talking about the national security state being, the, you know, the main driver of censorship and election interference in the U.S., talking about how even before uh, the election, uh, like months in advance, the, um, you know, big tech were, were censoring at the request of the national security state, were censoring any any uh, posts that even questioned the validity 
of mail-in voting as if they were anticipating the results of this study. Yeah, but you know what? That's really interesting because in 2005, uh, former President Jimmy Carter and uh, former Secretary of State James Baker came out with this election fraud report. And they said, and these, I mean, not verbatim, but, you know, basically that mail-in voting is fraught with fraud. And that people should be encouraged to vote in person on Election Day as much as possible. It's also pretty funny that the New York Times, NPR, CNN and all these other uh, you know, liberal networks and such in, in the 2010s and in the, in, in the early 2000s were saying mail-in voting is terrible. It's, you, know, you can obviously you know, commit uh, voter fraud very easily with mail-in voting. We should really try to reduce that. All of a sudden, their tune changed across the board in the months leading up to 2020. And that's because they realized wow, this pandemic is uh, really going to allow us to flood the zone with tens of millions of ballots. And it's very difficult to prove voter fraud after the fact, especially with all this mail-in voting that's been going on lately. So uh, 65 million mail-in votes cast. And as you point out, uh, in many states, they changed the election laws, but it wasn't done by the state legislature. It was done by, in some cases, the secretary of state, or I think in Pennsylvania, it was the, the Supreme Court, which is elected. And, and I think they're virtually all, all of the, the um, justices on the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania are Democrats. Uh, that's a violation. You, it must be the state legislature that changes the law. Uh, so, you know, never mind Dominion voting. None of, you don't have to look that in that direction. It's all uh, with these mail in voting. Sixty five million mail in votes cast and greater than one in four. Twenty eight percent of those, according to this Rasmussen survey, were cast uh, were fraudulent ba- ballots. They should not have been counted. Um, so uh, let's see, 65 million, uh, a quarter of that would be what, 16, 16 million. So a little more than that. What are we talking? 17, 18 million fraudulent votes cast. That is a really, really large number. And also, (laughs) yeah. And and also, I think it's very important to uh, to note that these states went out of their way to do away with the common sense guardrails that have been in place for decades, like signature verification or maybe a notary uh, uh, signature. All those things were just done away with. It's also very interesting to note that in 2020, 0.79%, less than 1% of those 65 million mail-in votes were rejected for lack of signature verification or the, 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 the common reasons why. However, in the 2020 Democrat primary in New York and Pennsylvania, the 2020 Democrat primary, more than 20% of those mail-in ballots were rejected for the usual reasons. And then when you look back to 2016, 2012, 2008, 2004, the, the historical rate of rejection for mail-in ballots is somewhere between 5 to 10%. So if you've got 65 million ballots all just being flooding into the zone you know, uh, in 2020, how did they only find problems with 0.79% of those ballots? It just does not pass the smell test. Christopher Talgo is editorial director and socialism research fellow for the Heartland Institute. We'll take a quick time out, come back and uh, continue to talk about this uh, absolutely shocking study that shows um, the um, mail in voting was just rife with uh, with fraud. Over 17 million fraudulent votes appear to have been cast in the 2020 election. We'll find out who they were cast for. (laughs) Yeah. Big surprise. When we come back, more of The Richard Serrett Show coming your way in three minutes. Don't go away. 
Before we get to the rest of this podcast, I wanted to let you know about two fantastic live podcasts Heartland produces every week. We'd love for you to join us every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central, live for our flagship In the Tank podcast. You can watch on the Stopping Socialism TV channel on YouTube, where you can participate in the show in the chat with other fans and also ask questions that we'll address on the air and put up on the screen. And every Friday, also at 1 p.m. Eastern and noon Central time, you can go to Heartland's main YouTube channel. Just search for the Heartland Institute on YouTube for Climate Change Roundtable. Heartland's climate team of Anthony Watts, Sterling Burnett, and Linnea Lucan cover the crazy climate news of the week, debunk mainstream media myths about the so-called climate crisis, dig into energy policy, and much more. The show also often features guests that include some of the leading climate scientists and energy policy experts anywhere in the world. There is no show like it anywhere. So become regular live viewers of both of these programs if you are interested in smart, lively, fun, and interactive conversations. We hope to see you there every Thursday and Friday afternoons at 1 p.m. Eastern and noon Central at the Stopping Socialism TV channel and the Heartland Institute channel on YouTube. Oh yeah, we're also on Rumble. See you there. Who really won the 2020 election? Well, a new study by the Heartland Institute sheds some uh, interesting light. Shocking results. Christopher Telgo is educational director and a socialism research fellow for the Heartland Institute. We're talking about uh, the mail-in votes. And according to a Rasmussen survey, about, uh, well, not about, 28.2% of respondents to the survey admitted they cast a fraudulent mail-in ballot. Now, uh, the overall impact on the election, um, the, um, the president is elected not by popular vote, but by uh, winning you know, state by state uh, and electoral college votes. So it really came down to Georgia, Arizona, Nevada, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, those six states, and I think the margin was about across those six states. What it was it like one hundred and eighty thousand votes, something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's less than twenty thousand per state. Right. So you know, never mind California. It doesn't matter. You know, if Trump gets uh, one vote or or five million votes, Joe Biden still gets all of the uh, the uh, electoral college votes for California. So you know, never mind the popular vote. It doesn't matter. Um, so these one hundred and eighty thousand or whatever it was, uh, as you say, less than 20,000 per state. That's where the election was lost for Trump. When we look at this uh, survey and the mail-in voting fraud, how does that break down sort of in these states? And what would the outcome have been had these fraudulent votes not been cast or had been thrown out? Yeah. So after the, after we got the poll results back, we started to think, wow, maybe this actually did impact the outcome of the election. So what we did was we took the uh, available data from state uh, secretaries of state, uh, which does actually tell you the total number of uh, mail-in votes. We then uh, took our percentages and we applied those to those states. And what we did was we started at the at the top by saying, fine, let's just say 28 percent of all the mail-in votes on both sides, Trump and Biden, had to be thrown out. What would have happened? Well, what would have happened is Trump would have won every single one of the swing states. He would have won the Electoral College. He would have won the presidency. That uh, scenario would have occurred all the way down to the level of fraud at three and four percent. So everything from 28 percent all the way down to those super low numbers Donald Trump would have won the election. Uh, 
Then we said, okay, let's just say that uh, that that according to our data, because it was a it was a small sample size, our data showed that Trump voters who voted by mail actually might have voted uh, illegally on a teeny bit more uh, higher rate than Biden. So what if what if we then said, fine, we'll 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 look at the data for what it is, even though it's a small sample size and it's not you know reliable enough to really uh, extrapolate over the electoral map. But even even with that, Trump still would have beat Biden. And the, and the answer is uh, the reason why is because Joe Biden received twice as many mail in votes as Donald Trump did. So even if even if, you know, 20 percent, 15 percent, 10 percent, 5 percent of those votes were illegally cast, which our our report shows that they were, Donald Trump would have won the Electoral College under almost every single scenario. Uh, Are there any scenarios and any level of fraud, um, you know, where the ballots are thrown out that Biden would have won the Electoral College? Yes, under the extremely unlikely scenario that fraud only occurred at one or two percent, which once again, if you look back at the historical uh, uh, rejection rate, that is just, you know, that, that that is just not not likely. Wow. Um, in the extreme example, if if it's true that 28 percent of mail in votes should have been thrown out because of of fraud. What would uh, what would Trump have won the Electoral College by? Would it have been, would it have been a landslide? It would have been a landslide because he would have won all six of those uh, swing states. I don't have the number right at the top of my head, but I think it would have been something like he Trump would have had 311 electoral votes or somewhere in that in that range. Wow. Um, why is this not? Well, it's a rhetorical question, I guess. Why is this not bigger news? <laughs> Well, that, that, I think that is a very good question. So when, when the poll came out in late December, it actually got a fair amount of attention from the mainstream media. Fox was covering it. Even Washington Post covered it. Uh, so m- many of the you know networks and, and such were covering it, newspapers as well. But when we came out with the policy study, which we worked night and day on all throughout the holidays and, you know, really taking this, you know, these numbers and crunching them and, you know, regression analysis and all this, you know, really fun stuff. (laughs) Uh, So then when, when we when we actually put out the policy study crickets from the mainstream media and the only reason that I can guess as to why that is, is because they are just scared to touch this issue, because, as you alluded to earlier, in the run up to 2020, anyone who questioned mail-in uh, voting was was immediately branded an election denier. So I think that there has been a chilling effect that's been you know perpetuated throughout the media complex to say you better not question 2020 because if you do, you're an election denier, and no one wants to be tarred and feathered with that election denier label. Uh, and according to Michael Benz, again going back to his interview on Tucker Carlson, if you're questioning mail-in voter, uh, the uh, mail-in vote, or you're questioning the outcome of the election, uh, that's considered like a national security threat now, according to uh, what what Benz was saying. Yeah, with uh, CISA and with the NSA and the CIA and the FBI and all these, you know, intelligence uh, uh, institutions uh, coming out and saying, you better not question mail-in voting, you better not question the results of the 2020 election, or else you could be in really big trouble that's one end of it, but another end of it, and this this was uh, well documented in the introduction to the policy study. Big tech went out of their way to uh, to to not allow anyone to 
question the uh, results of the 2020 election on their platforms. And they were doing that weeks before because I was writing about this. I was writing op-eds about this saying, we are really playing with fire here. The, you know, we are setting ourselves up for an unprecedented election. We're not going to know the winner for days, you know, if not a week or so after, because it, mail-in, mail-in, you know, balloting is just fraught with all sorts of problems, the counting and everything. And those those who questioned it were just, you know, immediately branded as you're some sort of crazy kook, some wacky election denier when it couldn't be further from the truth. We'll take one more time out, Christopher, come back and discuss uh, further this new study released by the Heartland Institute showing that Trump won in 2020. Back with more of our conversation right after these. A few minutes remain with Christopher Talgo, editorial director and a socialism research fellow for the Heartland Institute. According to this study, it would seem um, most likely Trump won in a landslide. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Had mail-in voting uh, fraud been limited to its historical norms, Donald Trump would have won the 2020 election fairly easily. Yeah. I mean, most of us were told, don't believe your lying eyes when we saw, you know, 50,000 people show up for a Trump rally. And uh, Joe Biden, when he did bother to come out of his basement, might get, you know, a couple of dozen. Um, This explains a lot. Uh, Is this study being um, throttled now on social media? You know, that's that's tough to answer because, you know, first of all, a lot of our content is uh, throttled on social media because we do a lot of reporting on uh, energy and environment, uh, you know, school choice. Um, So lots of the things that we talk about, I'm sure I know for a fact, actually, is being throttled on social media. Um, But, you know, one of the things that we're trying to do, we're a state based think tank. We have connections in all 50 states is we're trying to get this message out loud and clear to state legislators because there's only a couple months left before the 2024 election. And they need to do everything they can to shore up their elections to make sure that this does not happen again. Um, Has um, Donald Trump's team read this report? Do you know, does Steve Bannon have this report? So Donald Trump is definitely aware of the report. He's actually uh, tweeted about it or not tweeted. He's uh, posted to it on uh, Truth Social multiple times. Um, he actually called it uh, in his own his own uh, way, uh, one of the most important polls in the last 20 years. So, you know, we were pretty excited about, you know, Donald Trump's reaction to it. Um, but really what what we're trying to do, we're not trying to relitigate the 2020 election at all. We're just trying to show the people, hey, what happened in 2020 is not normal. We need to make sure that it was a one-off. We need to make sure that it was an exception. And we really want to try to get people voting in person as close to, if not on election day, as possible. That that That's our, our real uh, goal here. Our objective for doing this was not to cry over spilled milk. 2020 is over. We get it. But we want to make sure that the American people are well aware that despite the fact that you are being gaslit into thinking that mail-in voting is the greatest thing ever and it's the most secure way of uh, voting, that is just simply not true in common sense says otherwise. All right, let's go through some of the policy recommendations. Uh, obviously, it's to uh, you know reduce mail-in voting, but what are the other policy recommendations? Yeah, so one of the first things we want is we want people to uh, have to show a photo ID, government-issued photo ID, when they vote. 
whether that's in person or by mail. We also want to do away with this idea that anyone and everyone should be allowed to vote by mail because historically voting by mail has been for people who are disabled, who are serving overseas in the military, people who are living abroad. It's not supposed to just be the default way of voting. So we want to make that. We also want to make sure that people are uh, who they say they are, whether it's a witness uh, signature or a notary signature. That's another thing. We also want to uh, ban ballot harvesting and unattended ballot drop boxes because there have been so many stories of people stuffing, you know, dozens, dozens and dozens of ballots into these unattended, unsecured drop boxes. That's not how it should be. Only one state, one has a law on the books that says if you are the voter, it is your responsibility to make sure that you take that mail-in uh, vote and put it in the drop box. 49 other states, anyone can do it. Um, so are the Republicans prepared? Uh, do they have the, the ground game all set to go to, to prevent this from happening? Or are you fearful that we're going to have a repeat? No, I'm very concerned right now because in the immediate aftermath of 2020, we had a few brave states. We had uh, Brian Kemp in Georgia and Ron DeSantis in uh, Florida say, whoa, we need to really make some big changes here. They did that. And what happened in Georgia in particular, I think, was uh, very uh, demonstrative of how uh, prone to this, um, you know, the, the, how much the left is going to want to do away with uh, these election integrity laws, because this was called Jim Crow 2.0. The uh, All-Star game was taken out of Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Atlanta, you know, the, the state of Georgia, you know, Hollywood was, you know, saying that we're not going to make movies there anymore. So Georgia really got the brunt of this. But it's so interesting because in 2022, the data show that voter participation rate went up. And in particular, it went up again among minority Georgia voters. So the fact that this is that they are crying, you know, race here and playing the race card is is actually incredibly insulting to black people and other minorities who who the the left and people who are against mail and voting are saying, well, they they can't get a photo ID. They they don't know how to do this stuff. Th that is incredibly insulting. Everyone in America has the ability to get an ID. It's super easy. And voting should be in person on Election Day. Absolutely. Uh, what's the easiest way for people to, to see, uh, to find this uh, Heartland Institute study and read it? Yeah, so just go and visit heartland.org. It's, uh, you know, right up there on the banner, front and center. And uh, you just, you know, please go visit. And, uh, you know, we do a lot of work in a lot of other uh, important uh, policy areas. So, you know, we're just going to we're going to keep doing our thing. We will not be stopped. Fantastic. Well, that's good to know. It's uh, absolutely stunning. This report, Christopher, thank you so much for this. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Christopher Talgo, editorial director and socialism research fellow for the Heartland Institute.